Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dan from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Barbecue Forte. Hello. And we are brought to you by ProQ and Barbecue Gourmet, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker or looking to upgrade or even looking to pick up some epic accessories, check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with the top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. And you can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. So guys, on today's show we've got Luke Schimmelt. Hello Luke. Hi guys, you alright? Yeah, how are you doing? Could you just give a, a brief intro- introduction for yourself, please, Luke? Yeah, thanks, Luke. I'm uh, based in Tromfield, which is a uh, town between Sheffield and Chesterfield. Um, I run King Brisket Time. I've been running it for a little over a year now. King Brisket Time is a mobile uh, street food and event catering barbecue business. Um, I'm looking for a spandier at the moment, but it's been, it's been a fun year, really, getting, getting established and, uh, you know, from very humble beginnings and still uh, still learning the trade and still trying to, trying to develop with... Uh, Come on, we'll just have a chat about you know how how I've done it, and hopefully I can give some people some advice if uh, if it's something that any of the listeners want to get involved with. Awesome. So, what what inspired you to want to start that up in the first place? I think it's probably like everybody really, you know, um, an interest in barbecue. I, I I first did um, one of the weather courses when they were based down in Oxford in uh, about June uh, 2014, and it was a full day just barbecue and just. Uh, cooking real good introduction to low and slow barbecue, which I knew something about uh, before, but I'd never really uh, seen it done on a, a semi-professional level. And uh, you know, going on a day where it was uh, it was beer and uh, beer and barbecue, but yeah, fancy a bit of this really for a, for a living. So yeah, we all, yeah, we all fancy a bit yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, can't beat it. So uh, it's uh, it goes alongside the day job at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm a teacher full time, but weekends. Um, you know, doing this, and uh, that's until the summer, and then it'll be a it'll be a living. Mm. So, what do you teach? Uh, I teach business studies. Cool. Awesome. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I've picked up a few things teaching over the last few years that I can put into practice now. And uh, so he knows how to go. start up a business. He's taught many people how to uh, do a business startup. So now he's he's off to to try it himself. That's the one. That's absolutely it. Cool. It's a different when it's for yourself, though, and the risk involved, but it's good fun. Yeah. Let's talk about that a bit then, because you've got the business startup idea of this barbecue company. What what do we do? What's the first stage of deciding between coming from the world of just cooking at home and feeling like you want to dabble in the real world and start producing a either a pop up restaurant or or what do you do? Like a catering company? So what's the first stage of venturing out into the real world? Well, I mean, for, for me, really, it's been um, I started with. Uh, like most of the people listen, I imagine with a kettle, and um, I've got got a gas barbecue and I've got a smoker. And uh, my setup is a really, really simple setup. Really, I just take out a gazebo uh, if I need it, <laughs> and a few tables, some basic barbecue equipment, some cooking equipment, uh, and just get out there really and start start to actually, um, you know, start, start cooking. I think one of the things that I've found though is that when you first start thinking about it, you want to get involved with events, you want to get involved with festivals, street food, you start looking into it and the costs involved actually start mounting up really, really quickly. 
So my starting point was going around to local businesses and just speaking to them, um, pubs, sporting uh, teams, uh, the craft beer shop just down the road from me, a bottle shop. Uh, I went in there, they just started up. Um, I it, he, he said he wanted to put on some barbecues and things in the summer, and that was before I'd even mentioned anything to him. So I think something like that is a really, really good starting point. Just get out there with a local community, get involved with them, speak to people. And uh, you soon find that there's a demand, demand for it. And uh, I think even if you are just a, an enthusiastic backyard cook, that you can actually start to do it on a a commercial level, a really small scale commercial level, fairly easily. And um, I think you have know, all people listening. If you're listening to a barbecue podcast, you've obviously got an enthusiasm for it. You've got a, a bit of a passion for it. And if you want to take it on to that next level, that's what I'd recommend. Before splashing out a load of money on new equipment uh, or spending money on, uh, on on the fees for festivals or events, just speak to people in the local area and you soon find that they want uh, people because it helps them. And and also from that, I mean, I've got loads of jobs from that, you know, by birthday parties um, and it's from, from customers, from people that have just been along, tasted the food and, and it's, it does snowball from there. Mm, so so st- step one's like establishing yourself and getting your name out there getting people to know what you do using the local community to do that yeah quite a lot sounds yeah. sounds like sounds like a plan yeah so then from there how do how do we go about like we're used to cooking like maybe we do a pork shoulder at home for the family how do you turn that into suddenly producing that for maybe 100 people 150 people yeah i mean that's that's the big chance of faced really um i mean fairly soon after starting i was uh, getting quotes for 100 um, I got a quote for a party of 100 and then at night another 50 and that's the daunting thing but I think if you're clever with you know sort of your, your pork shoulder your, your pulled pork um, you can cook that whilst that's resting you can get your biscuits on you can juggle them and uh, yeah I've spent more money I've got extra smokers now um, mm-hmm. but also it, it's just being clever with your timing and um, thinking about uh, you, you know, your recipes can you do it a little bit faster? Can you do a bit of a hot and fast uh, full pork if you need to? Can you cook them uh, and freeze them and then reheat them? It's absolutely, you know, I've found when you do that, at first I wasn't keen on that idea, but then with, with something like pulled pork, if you, if you just take it off, freeze it, you can put, take it out and reheat it really, really well, and it's just as good as when it came fresh off the, off the smoker. Yeah, I find pork um, shoulders like really forgiving. So you you can actually tend to cook it a little bit. You could ramp up the temperature a little bit, and it doesn't tend to affect it that much if it, if you are lagging on time. And yeah, like you said, I mean, I've not done it on a commercial scale, but sometimes I mean, like a five kilo pork shoulder is way too much for for me and the missus. So uh, <laughs> you still manage it, though, still you? manage it. Yeah, still still always do the cook, but at the same time, I don't like to. I have loads left over, for instance, and I'll, I'll always freeze some up and, and reuse, and it does tend to come out quite well sometimes. I don't, I don't always do that, but that that has been something I've done in the past year. Yeah, yeah. So I think pork, pork shoulder is a great one. Oh, brisket, I won't be keen on doing. Um, I know people have done it, and I think people say it does come out well. But I do like to cook the brisket fresh, uh, pull that off, and you know, rest it for a couple of hours in a in a, an insulated cool box, and just keep it, you know, keep it nice and warm for a couple of hours, and have that pretty much ready to go. But I think yeah, there's other things you can do that. Um, you can do a little bit in advance, and uh, you know, maybe pull out the kettle and just do do some dip beans on there, or you know, there's, there's ways around it. Mm. 
Mm. Um, but I, I think at first that's the problem. I think that's why you start small. You know, you start. Um, I was I was catering for forty. You know, planning for forty, and you can do that no problem really. I think if you, you know, fix that as a big brisket, pork shoulder, a side, that that would do forty. You know, if you were um, if you found it on a an um, event, a, a, a small event, but then you can start to ramp it up after that. Um, get on sixty, eighty. It does become a little bit of a challenge, but then after that, you know, I think even if you're doing a hundred or two hundred, the the fundamentals are the same. It's just the the space you've got to cook cook the things on. Yeah. Um, so what what do you do when it comes to pricing your products, and how do you calculate it based on what it costs, and you just add a percentage, or are you working out? Over time, how long it's taking, or what's what's the best route to go down to pri- planning pricing? Yeah, well, I mean, I um, I'll just do it where yeah, I had a percentage, um, but I like to keep uh, most of my mains the same price, and they might have a side or some slightly smaller uh, mains, a little bit cheaper. I mean, something like um, a brisket, which I served with, um, in, you know, brioche with uh, homemade slaw, homemade barbecue sauce, homemade pickles. Um, I charge five pounds for that. Mm-hmm. Actually, making too much on that, you know, it's not. You know, when you think about the overheads involved, and you think about the actual price of brisket, uh, so you're not making a massive amount. And um, like a pulled pork, you make a little bit more. It's something like mac and cheese, which, which goes down really, really well. I might charge three pounds for that, but that's for the cost involved in making it a fairly low. So I think with something like the brisket, you're not making the money there. You're making most of the money on the other items, the other uh, the sides, especially. Um, you know, if you do a hot dog, do a good quality hot dog, the cost involved is very, very low. Um, but if you, you know, smoke it, you add the sides, add, add a little bit of something extra to it, you can you can charge uh, a little bit more money for it. I was I was a bit worried when I first started up, to be honest, about my prices, thinking, will anybody pay £5 for this? People do. People are absolutely willing to pay it. I think people see it's good quality. Um, I think people now, are more, more, more than ever, uh, are willing to pay money for good a good quality product for mm. for local meat particularly for for local produce to support uh f- like a an actual a sole sole trader business uh a local business people are willing to spend that a little bit more and reach into their pocket to support these sort of things so i'd almost go to work saying i personally wouldn't probably spend less than a fiver on something i'd think if it was less than that it's not going to be worth yeah the meat's not, not worth be it, good quality <laughs> the the perceit the 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 procedures to get it there aren't mm. going to be great and stuff like that. Are you are you cooking over charcoal? Are you are you, are you now have you moved to like a, a pellet sort of uh, smoker or anything or what are you cooking no, on? Charcoal. All charcoal at the moment. I've got um, a couple of uh, smoking mountains in uh, back garden. Okay. So I'll cook them on. Cool. Well, that, that's a, that's another thing that basically that keeps your costs up as well because cooking on charcoal and and uh, is always going to be more expensive than, than a pellet smoker. So. So that's something else that I think that a lot of people maybe not don't understand. I personally vote charcoal every day of the week, not to not to cause mm. <laughs> not to cause enemies there. <laughs> but I vote charcoal every day of the week, and and I think that again that does keep your costs up. So so yeah, you really have got to sort of work that into your price, and and uh, and yeah, I think that going that extra mile and putting that effort in, when especially on on your sort of scale, that that you should be able to charge for it, and I'm willing to pay for that. Yeah, I mean the other thing about charging that price is I'm, I'm always more than willing to talk through my recipes, talk through uh, the processes involved. Uh, you know, People realise now, I've got a lot of regulars at some of these events and um, they realise I've probably had a sleepless night you know, because uh, cause I've been up throughout the night seeing the, uh, the meat and just um, 
you know, they, they realise the work that's gone into it, which is yeah, not intensive as such, but it's just that checking on checking it, keeping iron temperatures, you might have a, a probe in and the alarm goes off and it wakes you up in the middle of the night. That kind of time that goes into, into it, like I said, the quality of the meat, um, you know, the rubs, it's all... I've, I've taught people through that. I think when people see that, they're prepared to pay it, they want to pay it, they want to come back. And I think they see when you go into a supermarket and it's a pre-packaged backpack, big pack of full pork for a fiver or, you know, they, they start to question that. And mm. I've had people come back to me now and say, I would rather pay the price for what I feel is a good quality uh, product just as a treat. Um, and hopefully from that, well, people do it themselves. You know, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm all about people doing it themselves and I'm willing to share uh, share the ideas. Um, I've actually got a barbecue course. I'm doing some courses myself coming up. I think um, the more enthusiastic people get about it, the, the better for, for people like myself because people want to come and try something good. I mm. mean, yeah, you were saying about you, you just, you've been able to sort of back up with recipes and procedures, ha- like to back up your, your pricing and stuff. I actually went to a place called the Pig and Palette, which is a fairly new uh, barbecue restaurant in Topsham, uh, in Devon, where where we're both from. And uh, and actually, on on the back of there was as like a supplementary, I suppose, for their menu was actually like a a piece of paper justifying their prices, which I felt was a bit unnecessary. But I suppose that's for me who who comes from the barbecue world, who knows the costs associated yeah. with, with good meats and and uh, actually producing that sort of food and, and the rubs and, and everything else that comes with it. So, so they actually had like a, a supplementary sort of piece of paper that came with the menu that justified their prices and sort of said, well, if you think this is expensive, this is because blah, 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 blah. And basically they could actually, they pinpointed every single product on their menu down to sort of like a, like a 10 mile radius of like local farm shops and everything, which... Which I think is great, and and but I thought is probably unnecessary. But then again, I suppose they probably obviously had questions asked of their prices for them mm. to do it. So, so yeah, I, I guess that's sort of a great way to combat that is is by is by knowing your menu, knowing your recipes, knowing your procedures, and being able to actually, hey, this is this is why it costs this much because actually by the time I do this, a bag of charcoal, the wood, everything like that, actually. I'm not making very much money from it at all. So, so here you yeah. go. Here's a great product, and and you should be willing to pay for it. That's absolutely right, yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the places I do a lot of my, my events uh, just down the road, you can get two for £10, two main meals for £10, and, you know, those sort of pubs. I think, well, they're doing, they can do a rack of ribs for £5. You, you do start to worry a little bit about, you know, what's happening with it, and I know it's on the scale that they're doing it to get the economy scale and everything like that, but I want to, I want to establish myself as being knowledgeable, uh, approachable, um, and just somebody who, like you say, a sort of sole trader, a person who rocks up with a um, estate car on loads of barbecues out the back. You know, that's a, that's the sort of difference, I think, between when you do it on a massive scale and when you're doing it, it's something that um, you're, you're passionate about. Yeah, I mean, look at Ribman, for instance. Ribman started off on a just rocking up at local London markets with doing some ribs. And, and I mean, and you can like watch all the videos on him doing it and look at him now. I mean, people from from all over the world are like communicating with them on social medias and, and when they're in London they're going to like Brick Lane to try Ribman's mm. uh, pulled pork sandwiches so it's like it is it is it's crazy it's, it's, it's like a and can you ever imagine him originally thinking that it really was going to be this big or or that he was really going to take over in that sort of way or or whatever and now he's got actual 
sort of uh, permanent permanent shops that sell all of his uh, sort of sauces. There's one of one of the uh, one of the stations that we were at actually. There was a there was a rib man sort of uh, shop that was selling his rib rolls and sauces and stuff. So so he's really smashed it and started off from from a similar position as you, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think you know you have to admire people like that and. Uh you know, it's great for it's great for barbecue, isn't it? In this country, you know that people are doing that. It's great that people are out there and making a success of it and uh, getting the following that, that he has. Yeah, you mentioned a second ago about uh, selling your sides and stuff and different pricing for them. You mentioned mac and cheese in there. We've been playing around with mac and cheese recipes ourselves. I was on on our podcast a little while ago. We, who is it we spoke to? We got the sodium. What's it called? Sodium. Sodium citrate. Sodium, sodium citrate, citrate, and that was Danny Hawk yeah. from uh, Bristol Drum Smokers. Yeah, and we've been yeah. playing around with that to try out different recipes for mac and cheese. Um, have you got your recipe for mac and cheese that you could share with us? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've taken mine from a couple of different places, actually. And again, it's playing about with it, but it's, it's good fun to head out with these recipes and uh, I'll listen to my customers and see what they, what they think of it. But mm. I mean, mine it starts off with a simple uh, roux, butter and flour. Mm-hmm. Uh, milk mixed into it, so um, that's uh, yeah, very standard white sauce. Um, I'll go with some cheddar, and I'll just keep going until it's thick. Uh, some parmesan, garlic powder, uh, mustard powder, and I'll just put in a teaspoon of fresh mustard as well, just uh, uh, the uh, Coleman's mustard, just to give it a bit of an extra uh, kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to put in some cream cheese, um, and, and you know, really does a bit of double, double cream as well, just to make it really really Big, creamy really. yeah yeah i also feel like the coleman's gives it a nice little color element as well gives it a mm. bit more of a yellow yeah. tinge sometimes you lose mm. you lose when you're you're rearing up and you're then adding the cheese and stuff it gets a bit white sometimes so i yeah. feel like coleman's or or like a bit of red leicester or something gives it back a bit of yeah. a bit of yellowness which is nice definitely definitely if you want it nice when it's baked and i, I do bake it um put a bit some bread crumbs on top as well um and i often put in some bacon get some nice crispy bacon Mix that in at Christmas. I was doing um, some Christmas ham. That's my hope. Uh, mix all that in. And then I rock in the smoker, um, which I've not heard many people doing, but I put it in the smoker for a couple of hours when it's uh, when the smoker's starting to cool down and it picks up the smoke really, really nicely. And um, I think, you know, when I've passed that around at work a couple of days after I've, uh, after I've made it, if I've got any left over, it's, it's always going to have brilliantly, even, you know, a bit, a bit later. Um, so it does just give it a bit of something different, that. Uh, it's mm. just a nice finishing touch. So, you, are you often taking in your food to work to share it with people? Not necessarily to share, but just to show off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe you've got some food there, aren't you? Today? Uh, yeah, we, we always have barbecue Mondays where we share all of our food that we've cooked over the weekend. We generally eat it in the morning because we can't wait, but today we've had a pretty hectic day. We haven't got around to it, so we've got quite a spread just here in the studio at the moment, which we're going to try and maybe eat whilst we're going on the show <laughs> but it's quite hard to eat and talk at the same time so yeah I've, I've been a bad man I've been a bad man I didn't really get out to barbecue much over the weekend uh Friday Friday night I did some short ribs which was which was great they turned out amazing uh I did them hot and fast which was a fairly new thing for me over the last couple of weeks but but they turned out absolutely epic but then uh on so I woke up Saturday feeling really, really ill, and I'd I actually got a call from a butcher on the Friday night saying he's got some short ribs, and I went in there and I ended up buying half the shop. So currently sat in the fridge, I've got a 
a whole sort of a whole lamb shoulder. I've got two pork bellies. I've got some marrow bones. I've got some sausages and and when you cook all that? this stuff that I was planning on cooking this weekend and and just sort of the weekend disappeared on me. I didn't manage to to leave the sofa. So it's not been a great weekend of cooking. And actually, I'm I haven't managed to contribute anything to Barbecue Monday. But luckily, luckily I've got a, quite a spread here. Luckily, the partner in crime Barbecue <laughs> Forte was there out out there and brought quite a nice spread for me. So. We've got some uh, experimental scotch eggs. Yeah. Some, uh, was that a peach cobbler? Uh, apple. An apple. An mm. apple cobbler slash crumble. Yeah. Uh, we've got a uh, some beef. Yeah. Tell them about your beef. Your beef's quite interesting. Yeah, the beef. We haven't done this before. I just sort of came up with the idea. I was making the uh, Red True Barbecue South Carolina mustard barbecue sauce. And that recipe's in their, in their book, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's in the Red's book. It's, it's one of my favourite books, actually. And so I, well, I always buy it normally just off the shelf in the supermarket, but I thought the bottle was getting empty. I'd have a go at making it myself. So I made up this South Carolina mustard. Uh, Which half, actually tastes really, yeah, really similar to, really to, good. The, exactly to the one you same. buy from the shelves. Exactly the same. Yeah. So I definitely, if you're into that one, I, I think it's a great sauce actually. Mm. Uh, and I, I think that's worth definitely trying. So I coated the beef with that and then a bit of salt and pepper as well. Then I stuck like panko breadcrumbs all over the outside of it, and then just sprinkled some like mixed dried herbs, and then stuck that into the Kamado Joe, and s- cooked it for about three hours, till it was about I think about one sixty F, and then just wrapped it for an hour, and that was our roast dinner yesterday. It smells really good still now. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us tell us about the uh, the scotch egg because you had a bit of experiment with the scotch yeah. eggs. You uh, went beefy with them, didn't you? Yeah, so I did six different types of scotch egg this weekend. Have you done many scotch eggs yourself, Luke? I've never done them, no. No, I've done got to dabble no, in the scotch egg world. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I did six of them and then I blind tested the family to try and find out which one they liked the best. So we did beef mints. Um, with like a beef brisola, yeah, brisola. So that's brisola, like a yeah. that's a cured meat, basically like a charcuterie cured meat. Uh, one of my favourites actually. So we mm. used that. Tried substituting the 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 pork out basically. Yeah. So that was normally you do this with like a pork mince wrapped in bacon. And we're trying to find like alternatives to the pork. So we did that, and I also tried beef mince with a really really thin cut of steak. So we just did the thinnest cut of steak. Got the butcher just cut it off as thin as he could. And then I got a rolling pin and like rolled it out, made it as flat as I could, so I could wrap that around the outside of it. Um, then I also did one using turkey mince instead. That was pretty nice actually. I was was a bit nervous about turkey mince. I didn't think it was going to be lean enough, but the butcher chose too lean. Oh, sorry, yeah, I said it the wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs> it's too lean. Um, so, but looking at it, you could see some that like, good fat inside of it. So it was alright and it turned out really nice it wasn't dry at all so then using the same thing of like a thin cut steak and the brisola wrapped around those uh, and also just did one then had a bit of the turkey mince left over and a bit of the beef mince but not enough of <laughs> both so I just mixed them together and ended up with a combo of turkey and beef mince and then I just panko breadcrumb that because I'm obsessed with panko a breadcrumbs a barky scotch egg yeah <laughs> and what else is that is that a celeriac Remoulade? Oh yeah, celeriac remoulade. Ooh, that was um, very fancy. Yeah, uh, Marcus from Country Wood Smoke recommended that to me to go along with his dino turds. 
So I knocked that up to try it out. It's really nice. It's got grated celeriac, some mustard, some lemon, and some mayonnaise. That's it. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Great, aren't it? Yeah, really so we've got it all laid out here on the table, but I don't know clear. if we're going to be able to eat it now, really. <laughs> um, so what, you're talking about what cues you've got in your collection, Luke. Have you got, what did you say, you've got like your Weber Smoky Mountain and your Weber Kettle. Have you got anything else? Yeah, I'll start, I'll start off with the uh, with those two. And I've got I've got um, three kettles, mm-hmm. um, all Weber kettles. I've got a, a, a Smoky Joe, the portable. Um, kettle as well, which fine. Uh, really, really useful actually to take out and just uh, if you just need to give something a bit of heat, just to use that. Yeah, I've got one of those as well. They're really good, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, and I've um, got two of the uh, Smoky Mountain uh, smokers now. So um, and, and then the gas, which I take out and just keep things keep things uh, warm. That's, I mean, that's one of the big chances when you're out keeping things keeping things up to temperature. Yeah, obviously hygiene. Um, you know, you have to keep it above uh, in the safe zone. You have to keep it above a certain temperature. It drops so you, That's the juggling. That's, that's the difficult thing. So a gas is great for that, really, just in terms of ramp the heat up quickly, uh, drop it down if you need to. It, it does just keep things uh, uh, keep things in that, that zone. But yeah, um, I, I love the smokers, love the kettles, and uh, had uh, just my, my small. I got I got on a thirty-seven centimeter. Oh, yeah. Because of the time one. Mm. That was great this weekend. I mean, I, I was out Saturday. Um, I got back home about half past ten at night. Took the brisket on overnight. Just the next day, a couple of people coming around and uh, it doesn't take any any uh, lighting, really. It just it heated the temperature nicely as well. So, seven o'clock next morning out when it was done, you know, it was just, it's fine that a really, really useful one. And I'll take that out on events as well. Um, so, yeah, it's quite, it's quite a fleet in the garden at the moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, thinking about where to, where to store them. I have to get myself a. Well, I've got myself some uh, some wood now for a nice little shed, nice little uh, hut to keep them in. Where where'd you get your wood from? Um, I don't get wood from my dad. Actually, he's uh, okay. he lives out in the countryside in Derbyshire. There's uh, there's always trees <laughs> being chopped down, and he'll uh, he'll stake a claim for them. Uh, so mainly use oak. Okay, um, awesome. I, every time I go down, he tends to have a, a big bag. Because your dad um, chops it, seasons it up for you, and then bags it up for you. What a guy! Yeah, absolutely, it's great. Yeah, so uh, that uh, we all wish we had a dad like Luke. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure uh, he's past retirement age now. I keep telling him you could you could give up, you could give up, Dad. You know, you could do this for a living. There's people want to buy wood, but you don't see it to believe it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I actually got some from a, a company called Smokewood Shack, which is a it's a it's a family run business in the UK that's just sort of starting out and, and they've, and they've, they're producing some really awesome uh, smoking products. So I got some, uh, I got like, they did this really epic deal and it was like, uh, it was nine, nine bags I got and they delivered to my house and I got like a, a massive variety of different woods that I've been, that people have been talking about on the show that I've been wanting to try out like a silver birches and stuff like yeah. that, which I hadn't had a chance to, to try smoking with. So, so I actually all put in a big order with him and, and uh, they do smoking planks. I saw Kelly Bramwell did some, uh, got some smoking planks and dust for them and stuff like that. And uh, so, so I'm finding them, they're, they're really interesting. I mean, I, the product that I got for them, the service I got for them was absolutely epic so they they did it i got it like literally oh, within t- within two days it was it was there and i don't think i even ordered it i think it was like meant to be delivered within like 10 days or something it was already there and, and all the wood that i've spoke with so far has been been lovely so 
So yeah, I would definitely advise to, to check out Smoke with Shack, guys, if you're if you're looking for wood. And uh, I just wanted to touch on something else. It might be one of the sort of key differences between sort of us cooking in the kitchen and, and then going out into the, the wider business world. And you were saying about sort of uh, safe temperatures and stuff like that, and and uh, and the regulations behind that. So so how how does that how has that affected your your cooking and, and sort of was that like a big thing for you to to change sort of your techniques and stuff, or hasn't it really mattered much? That sort of like food safety guidelines, I mean. Yeah, it's not not hugely affecting me, to be honest. Um, it's probably just opened my eyes a little bit more to it, you know, in terms of thinking about temperatures. Um, when I first started up, straight away, just going to touch with the local council and environment and planning uh, department, and uh, they, they gave me a call, you know, and said, well, what are you trying to do? Uh, gave me loads of really, really good advice, you know, told me about the best places to look for the food safety manage- uh, management procedures. Uh, fill in a, a document about that, read through some information. And then the, the kids just came out to visit the house. And because um, I run it from a domestic kitchen, I was a bit, a bit nervous about you know what they'd say. So that is, they say, you know, that if you just it's like you know, turn a switch on when you go into commercial cooking mode, make sure everything's wiped down, make sure everything's absolutely spotless. Uh, then imagine you're in a commercial kitchen, and they just really talk you through the process of uh, where you. You kind of talk them through what you're trying to do, and they'll give you ideas, they'll give you advice, they'll give you information that, that you need. So I find that people sometimes see them a little bit um, scary. Get somebody in to come and give you advice from the local council in case they tell you you can't do it. But actually, they're very, very supportive. They will uh, help you. They won't criticise you straight away. Uh, they'll try and guide you along how to get something um that is safe from the hygiene. Uh, obviously, when you're cooking commercially, you want to you want to cover your own back with everything. You need to make sure everything is documented. You've got your processes absolutely, absolutely sorted. But it is like flipping a switch and thinking, right, I'm on commercial mode now. But you do find then that it does seep into everyday cooking. Um, yeah. Whenever I'm overnight now and cooking, I'm thinking about making sure it doesn't drop to a low temperature and. To pull it off now, and I've got to think about putting it in a uh, in a water. You get you just get into the zone. You get into the. So you're not carving uh, your meat on your green chopping board then. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I, I need a new chopping board. Actually, it's getting a bit worn out, but uh, I know that's something they'll pick up. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's having your coloured boards, having your um, your systems absolutely. What devices do you use for monitoring your temperatures? I've got the um, the probes, the, the Maverick. Oh yeah, they're, they're really good. Uh, but also, some I've got a couple of uh, digital uh, thermometers that you just plug in uh, to me, and it straight away get reading out. And you can use that just to cause you can't. I, I think one of the things I found out is you, you just got one. You don't know how reliable it is. You can calibrate it and make sure it is fairly reliable. But if you're using two or three, it's foolproof. Mm. Uh, so just using a range of different temperature probes, really. Um, yeah. And then when you're out at an event, if it is cold, you've got to think about that. You've got to think about getting things back up to safe temperatures. And yeah, but it is. That's, why, that's why I say the gas barbecue does help, because you just use it as a, uh, a little bit of a more, more reliable uh, oven, in a way. Okay. So what, when you're lighting your barbecues out there for an event, do you use like, a chimney starter, that type of thing? or have you... Yeah. Yeah. Side when you get that big boom of smoke and the neighbours are 
Do you have a few of them there? <laughs> do you have a few of your chimney starters ready? Yeah, yeah, I've got um, I, I've got a couple of the big, bigger ones. I've got one of the travel, the portable ones. Yeah, it's about third of the size. Hmm. Find that that's good for like minion method. I think you can do smoking with a um, bullet smoker. Minion method is a really good way to keep a nice temperature over. Yeah, I think that, that's quite, quite probably more than more than the other ones. Actually, the big ones. Can you describe what the minion method is for listeners, please? Yeah, the minion method is where you've got uh, your charcoal basket full of charcoal. And the, um, the idea is not to light a full chimney of, uh, of charcoal. You probably like, depending on the size of the barbecue, but between 9 and 15 coals. So you only light a small amount of coals, and they dump those into the unlit charcoal. And the idea with that is it's a low and slow cook. It, it spreads over time. You add it, add it once when you start when you put the meat on when you start the smoking um, but that just means that you've got a bit more control over the temperature it, it climbs slowly and then as it spreads you should get a longer cook so I find that is the, the cooking method I use more than any cool thank you I, I had a little bit of a I saw something in one of the forums that I'm in and uh, they were using do you know like the, the heat guns that like builders use like sort of oh, yeah. uh, and uh they were using those instead of luff lighters, so I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Mm. And uh, just put it out on the Country Wood Smoke forum, just to see if anyone in the UK had uh, had tried it out. And actually, like loads of people, including like Jackie Waite, the Queen of Barbecue, she uh, she uses one herself as well. So so they're they're like a really cool thing to get the get the uh, get the charcoal going in a in a hurry. I, I always use fire lighters in, in my chimney start. That's how I start my my barbecues up, but. There have been times when I've wanted to get it going a little bit quicker and, and uh, thought one of those luff lighters would have been a, a cracking thing to have at those times, but they're like 50 quid a, 50 quid a pop, I think, the luff lighters. Mm. But, uh, we were hoping for something that didn't require electricity as well, weren't we? Because that was the thing, when we're out, out in the garden, we'd have to run a big extension lead down the garden to yeah. use a luff lighter, wouldn't you? Unless you're lucky enough to have a, an outdoor kitchen or, or something like that mm. built specifically for it. Which currently, me and uh, Barbecue Forte aren't lucky enough to <laughs> to have a fully fledged outdoor kitchen, but we are working on it slowly but surely. But then Duncan Mayers uh, actually he he put pitched in a little bit, and he's found uh, uh, one of the Is that a cordless one. Yeah, one of these heat guns, but it's 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 actually battery powered, so it doesn't need a cord or anything. He can actually just be out in the garden wherever he is, and actually has that heat gun there ready to go and start up his charcoal in a hurry, which is awesome. That, that, that's I think I'm definitely gonna uh, invest in one of those and give it a try. Gadget you need, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, what when it comes to preparing your meats, then do you have many of your own rubs that you make, or do you tend to use commercial rubs or marinades? I tend to make all my own. Yeah, um, I've got I've got a huge stack actually of the uh, poultry rubs that I made for Christmas. I did a I did a Christmas party, Christmas market style event, and. Uh, Six thirties that day, so I made enough rubs for that, and uh, about another twenty as well. So <laughs> I'm still working through that, and that's going really, really well. I'm, I'm chicken, and that's uh, made it's the sugar, salt, um, definitely eight different herbs. I can't even remember what's in it to be honest. I've got a list, but um, I, so yeah, from that one, I I, I did um, just got it the weekend. I've been reading the, uh, the book. Um, I think which one it is now, but the it's from Texas uh, restaurant, and it did the same salt and pepper, the Franklin barbecue. Oh yeah, Franklin barbecue, and it's just salt and pepper. So I've always added a few 
few extra things to, to my brisket roast, to be honest. But I just went with salt and pepper, and that was great. It was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, on the biscuit. So I'll probably stick with that again, to be honest. Yeah, uh, we're both going back to basics a lot with our beef and just trying yeah. to go back to just the salt and pepper. If you're getting good quality beef, mm. you don't really yeah. need to do it. It speaks for itself, especially like your your muscles, like the short rib or your your cuts, like short ribs and your your briskets and stuff, where actually once, you, once you've cooked it down and when you get that final product, the actual beef's so tasty, you don't actually need yeah. an awful lot for it. So... So that's what we're finding definitely at the minute is, is, uh, is going back to basics and just following the sort of Texas guidelines of salt and pepper. I've actually, yeah. uh, something I'd, I would advise you to try, Ty, Ty Mack from, uh, from Max Barbecue Pro Q. He, he actually introduced us to uh, their, their beef rub, which includes sort of a, a mixture of five different types of pepper. And, and I, uh, I've actually ordered some, it was like five different types of pepper that I ordered from, uh, from online and, and they were all delivered. And actually like the flavor notes the difference in, in different types of pepper is actually like incredible and actually once yeah. you once you uh, smash them all down all the peppercorns down and mix them with the salt that basic salt and pepper rub actually then even though the basic salt and pepper rub is amazing the uh, the different dimensions that, that those five different peppercorns give you are actually incredible in, in, on the palate they were like it was really really good so that's really opened up like a it turned like the basic rub of salt and pepper into like actually an actual advanced salt and pepper rub, and and they actually even made some of the flavors pop off even more, which is which is great. Yeah, that sounds really good. I think what you mentioned there about short ribs—that's uh, that is something I've always just done salt and pepper, and uh, I, mean, I would say that's my my favorite custom meat. I think I love short ribs. Um, I often do short rib tacos. I'll just do a few short ribs, chop them off, bit of guacamole on it. Really, really simple, uh, and then like just a corn tortilla, soft corn tortilla, and then just salt and pepper on there. It's just it is amazing. It just uh, awesome sounds lush. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's one for the springtime now. The sun's coming out. I think it, it's a really, really nice one. Just a uh, few few uh, tacos. Yeah, that's awesome. I've been, uh, been doing quite a lot. Of Definitely yeah. give that a go. Are you taking that up to like sort of pulling temps or? Uh, yeah, no, just I find with ribs, I, I don't tend to go by temperature at all on the, on, on beef ribs. I just uh, I just poke them until the until the tender, and then just whenever I you know I just tend to chop them off. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I saw your. I think there's like little samples of menus on your website. I think one of the things on there was the beef short rib tacos. I was going to ask you about yeah. that. So you've yeah, ticked that off. Yeah, I think they about five minutes. Yeah. They were sold out. They just uh, they flew, flew off, they did. <laughs> See those again? Another one I saw in there looked like, like a jalapeno cheese cornbread or something like that. Yeah, I've just had some of that today, actually, because I had some left over uh, from last night, and I've just had it on its own um, from lunch today. But that's, yeah, just a cornbread, um, a bit of cheese mixed in, jalapeno, and then, again, just uh, about 350 Fahrenheit, Half an hour, you've got you've got a brilliant side, but it's it's great for a chili. It was chili uh, yesterday, and it was just fantastic with that. Really, really good. Do you, do you bake your own cornbread, or is that yeah, yeah? yeah. Do you have a yeah. little short yeah. recipe there to hand at all? Or could I leave that? Today, and I just I, I used what I've not not used before. Let me have a look. I've, I've got it written down somewhere here. Yeah. It's um. Yeah, it's obviously like cornbread's yeah. like a real sort of traditional barbecue side, but I actually genuinely gonna put my hands up here and open myself up to uh 
to be hung, drawn and quartered, but uh, I haven't actually tried cornbread or, or made it. So here I am, I put my heart on the line here. <laughs> so yeah, if you could share no. a, a cornbread recipe, I'll definitely give it a go. Yeah, well, I've got one here. It's, uh, I'll go through it. Exactly. It's three cups of plain flour, a cup of yellow cornmeal, a quarter of a cup of sugar, two tablespoons of baking powder and two teaspoons of salt. Um, and then you mix with that uh, two cups of egg, uh, sorry, two cups of milk, three large eggs and half a pound of butter, which wow. uh, is a little bit frightening. <laughs> mix all that together. No, that's lush. <laughs> eight ounces of cheddar, um, third of a cup, I thought you can tell it's an American recipe, this kind of third of a cup of spring onions, and then three tablespoons of jalapeno um, chopped up. I think the goat didn't give quite that much uh, chilli. And so I'd chill, have chilli sauces out. And if I if I let go with chilli, I tend to put too much in. So, uh, yeah, but that's, uh, then mix it all together, bake it half an hour. You, you've got a cornbread. It's uh, it's a really nice side. It's uh, it's, uh, it's nice enough to just have it on its own. If you've got a chilli, something just to use it almost like a dumpling. You know, and just put put it on. Really, mm. uh, it's, it's uh, it does go well. How thick does it end up being? Does it like rise up much? Yeah, it does rise. Mine's uh, it's probably about six centimeters. It, it rose up to yesterday. Oh, yeah. The uh, it was uh, it was good. Uh, That's quite a nice, quick, and easy thing to knock up, then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's uh, something I've not done a huge amount of, to be honest. But I'm always looking out for the tides. So I think they kind of make a meal can't they mm, yeah definitely yeah well as you said they tend to like they're they're a nice little money maker i mean you're making bread yeah bread costs like absolute pennies to make and 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 such a and it can be such a fantastic thing like such a an absolute staple and like a a, a sort of real meal filler so so yeah if you can be producing sort of cornbread and sticking that on the menu as a, as a side that can be something that can really bulk out the bulk out the main course and actually uh make you some more money absolutely yeah um, I think as well, like a lot of the events I do for the birthday parties and things like that, you know, I'll quote for you know, maybe a couple of meats, and then people want a few sides as well. And um, so it's a really good one for for a party if you've got a lot of people coming round just to uh, to put those out. So when you're not catering, what 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 sort of stuff are you cooking at, at home for yourself? Um, I tend to cook virtually anything from this time of year onwards. I'm, you know, for myself, a lot of salmon. I, I like cooking salmon outside. Um, a lot of Mexican, a lot of Tex-Mex. Um, I do cake beers. Um, I do quite a few. I've started doing a lot of pastrami, making my own pastrami, curing it and making it, or uh, salt beef or bacon. So I tend to make a big batch of that and keep them to one side myself. So like Reuben sandwich, those kind of things. Um I'm quite into the curing at the moment, just having it, having a go at that. Um, but like I say, the, the beef shortbread tacos, they're, they're something that yeah, I tend to go back to quite a lot. Pizzas, pizzas on the barbecue. You know, they're so easy to do. I think you get better results than you would in your own oven. Mm, yeah, definitely. Pizzas are awesome outside. That was one of like the original things I was really after, I think, when I first started in the barbecue world. It was like... Yeah, I want to try all these things, but I was like, ultimately, I just really want to build a pizza oven in my back garden, yeah. and I want to like strive for the perfect pizza. That's all I was doing. So I was trying all sorts of different things of different pizza stones, and my yeah. cousins have built their own pizza ovens in the garden. I was trying those out. So it's like trying out different pizzas in all the different places, trying to find yeah. the best one. Yeah, 
no, they are, they are great. I've, I've always uh, liked to make many pizzas, but if I to do them on the barbecue, that, that just makes it even better. Yeah. Are you combining like cold smoking with your curing as well? Um, I've, to be honest, I've not really done a lot of cold smoking. I, I do the American-style bacon where you uh, hot smoke it. Mm-hmm. I find that works quite well. I would like to get a bit more into cold smoking, but it's just uh, not something I've, 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 I've done too much of. Yeah, the, the Pro-Q CSG, mm. the cold smoke generator, is a really cool little, uh, it's like a little maze unit, and uh, you just literally use uh, sawdust, basically, uh, wood dust, and you can just sprinkle that around, use a candle on one end, and it, it, burns, it burns slowly uh, down and around. Another awesome one to go with is the, the Amazing Tube, uh, Barbecue Gourmet, they sell the Amazing Tube, and they sell the pellets for that. Uh, both of those two apparatus, I mean, they, they literally produce no heat at all so literally like you can cold smoke at any time during the day and actually uh pro q said a really cool cold smoking unit which is like uh, it's, like, it's a cardboard box <laughs> yeah but the cardboard box but what they've done is they've sort of created like levels on the inside and and like a an access point for your cold smoker on, on the bottom and stuff like this it's a it's a really cool little unit mm. and it's, it's something like 25 quid or something mm. like that but actually uh someone posted something in one of the forums of the week they've had it for three years and six months this cardboard box that they've been using to smoke with and actually how like how well it's actually done and like how how much they smoke and like uh, it's been brilliant so i could definitely i could vouch for both because i've used both so i could definitely vouch for both mm. uh i love cold smoke and i'm really into char- charcuterie as well so that's really cool that, that you're into it but i'd definitely give the uh the cold smoking of the of the bacon a go i think when you're hot smoking bacon yeah, it gets a smoky flavour and it's great. But I think that when you've when you've uh, cured your bait, when you've cured your pork belly, and then you smoke it, uh, I tend to smoke like my pork belly like every other day for like three days, uh, yeah. about twelve hours a day. And I think the smoky flavour you can really get into that, like just absolutely, just destroys anything I've ever had before. Yeah, I've never had bacon that's as smoky as your cured bacon. That's yeah, really lush. You can just smell. Smoke from it when you open the fridge door. <laughs> yeah, it actually, like, yeah, it just smokes the rest of my food in the fridge just from being in there. <laughs> <laughs> What's what sort of yeah, stuff yeah. are you uh, are you doing with your charcuterie then? Now, uh, what what sort of things are you into at the minute? Salamis and and stuff like that, or yeah. okay, yeah, I got I got a huge brisket um, a couple of weeks ago, and I made um, so I cured it. I made half into pastrami, uh, where you smoke it and then steam it, um, and I did half salt beef. Uh, which is more of a boil. Um, I had two, actually, preferred the salt beef. I thought you know, that was really, really um, tender. It was, it was, it got, uh, it got the flavour from the cure, and you didn't miss the, the not smoking it. Um, I, I found that really, really good, and then uh, made it into a Reuben sandwich, so a bit of rye bread, um, mustard, pickles, um, sauerkraut. No, that was, that was, that was really I good. have to say, like, yeah, salt beef sandwich, like a proper, Smash, like, you, you literally cannot be. Yeah, mm. I had one on Brick Lane once. Uh, it's like a really, like, old school sort of uh, a bakery on Brick Lane. I don't know what it's called, but it's it's right up the end near the near like the crossroads where Brewdog is and stuff like that. And uh, I, uh, do you know when you walk past somewhere, there's like a huge queue, and you just know that for there to be a huge queue, it's like a simple bakery, like probably like a few things on the menu, looked like nothing great. But the queue was literally wrapped around the inside and out the door, and I thought, well, Must they've be got to be—they've got to be serving something good in there. So I queued. I didn't even know what it was. Queuing up, and then uh, as I was getting to the fire, okay, yeah, it was salt beef sandwiches. 
and it was at oh, salt beef bagels sorry and it was absolutely knock your socks off incredible i was i was blown away it was absolutely delicious so i don't know i haven't actually given salt beef a go so uh, mm. i will give that go and, and pastrami so that'd be awesome yeah yeah great i think what we just said there actually as well is something uh to touch on about menu choices just keep it simple if anybody's thinking about doing um event catering or street foods which most people do keep it really simple three or four options that's all you need if you're doing well people come and people want people want that i think if i see um anybody doing seven eight nine options uh, options at one of these events i think how are you doing that mm, have um, you got time to do all of that <laughs> definitely yeah so um i mean but my plans in the future about having uh, about doing it a little bit bigger scale but i'd still keep it really simple keeping the menu options down to uh just a small number of mm. really one things. Some of the most successful and, and like the best reputation barbecue restaurants in America literally have one thing on the menu and like say like pulled pork for instance yeah. and your only choice is with sauce and, or without sauce like that uh, that would be your only choice like there's only one thing on the menu we're doing it great best pulled pork in the world and that's all we're doing and I think that's I think that really speaks volumes I think and like for instance a lot of them, again, yeah, they might maybe have like brisket and pulled pork, and they're the only two things on the menu. So, I think that I think that's fantastic. I think if you're going to do something well, and you're going to do it, and you're going to do it really well, you've got a really limited menu. But actually, everything on the menu is going to be knock your socks off great. So, there you go. Absolutely, and also, I mean, I've done I've done things in the past where they've not turned out as well as I wanted. So, I've I've either given them away or chucked them away. No, I don't want to put anything out that's not not great quality. Um, and I think if people, you know, want to try it, you can just say well, it's not worked out. Have it, you know, that sort of thing. I, I think uh, don't put anything out that you, you know, isn't good enough, isn't up to your standard. Hmm. Yeah, it's good to set yourself a good standard. Do, yeah. you, do you have like a barbecue hero of your your own? I, I don't personally. I don't. I wouldn't say so. I like Dot's barbecue. I like his recipes. I think they're great recipes. Um, I met him uh, about a year back. and He was really um, interested in what I was doing as well, which was really nice to know. And uh, he was asking me about the recipes, giving me some advice. And that was that was a really really good um, good experience to, to meet him. But I've got I've got three or four of his books, and I, I don't think it's a bad recipe amongst them. No, he seems like a really good. Everyone that we speak to that's ever met him only has like amazing stuff to say about him and he seems to be like incredibly supportive of like the barbecue community everyone like from someone like yourself who was just starting out things possibly when you spoke to him and yeah. like uh, he really helped the guys in Grillstock start off what they what they were doing and, and it's helped bring it to like one of the well an absolute massive festival in Bristol so he, he really really wants to do a lot for the barbecue community and he seems like a really great guy so that, that's that's cool yeah yeah and he's a Chicago Bears fan which also helps <laughs> <laughs> What about when it yeah. comes down to like brining? Are you a, if you've got chicken, do you go for a brine or not a brine? I've tried it. I've tried chicken thighs with a brine and without. Um, I didn't find a massive difference. I don't. I don't find a huge bit difference in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've also tried injecting. Um, again, I think if you get a, a small piece of brisket, I think injecting can help. Get a decent sized brisket. I don't think it needs it. Uh, I've tried. You know, injecting uh, pork butt, uh, I think uh, it can add flavour, but I don't think it really does much to the end result. Um, so, 
with Brian in, it's something that I'm, I'm open to trying it. I'm not um, massively converting to thinking it's, it's essential. Even even with uh, Christmas, I did a load of turkeys. I've tried it with and without. And I think if, you, if you're cooking it well, I didn't find a huge difference. Yeah, cool. I, I mean, we, we've, we've been trying of, a bit lately, haven't we? Yeah, you did did a lot of testing on chicken last week, didn't you? Yeah, it seems to be uh, it seems to be like loads of people. <laughs> we're testing loads at the minute, and, and like just just like trying to build up some recipes. And, and I think before you put a recipe out, you got to really try everything out and and different variables and stuff. And and yeah, I've been trying brining. And actually, like on a blind test uh, the other day with me and two members of the family. Uh, every single one of the brines won against I don't know I did like three different brines and then and one lot not brined at all with all of them with the same rubs but about six different rubs and and the all of the brines scored higher than than all of the the non-brines which was interesting instead of like and, and I'm all for blind testing I hate going and saying yeah these these ones have been brined and I think that as soon as you say stuff like that people start thinking Oh yeah, it's a little bit saltier, or mm. or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So so they start immediately trying to build up in their head mm. that oh yeah, I don't like this one. Or like say if trying if, to find the difference in it, if you go like, yeah. this one's bright, this one's not bright. It's like, yeah, don't or, really make a difference. This one's turkey mince. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh this is a little bit drier actually. Mm. Or like, I don't like turkey, and you start thinking about stuff like that. So I think blind testing is the way to go. And actually, the the brines on on that on that day one on the non brine. So I've I've been working on the brines a bit more. But that's just personal, and and out of the people that we spoke to, it's sort of been like fifty fifty mm, yeah. out of like who does and who doesn't. So it's one of those things. It's like it's up to you, and, and like you, you either do or you don't. Yeah, that's it. I think it's it's like everything, isn't it? You know, some people prefer the, uh, the you know with the brisket. I, I get people who have tried it and they prefer the uh, the flat end, and get people to the point. It's it's it, it just people pick up what they like, don't they? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I'm a band end guy, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you, what, what, so what's happening in the barbecue world around you? Are there sort of many barbecue joints around you, or, or what, what's happening? Um, well, Sheffield is sort of 10 minutes away from me. Um, there's a Reds opening soon. There's, a, uh, I think, a Longhorns, I noticed, um, which is a chain I've not heard of before they're opening. There's already about four different barbecue places. So, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's busy. It's... Um, is taking over in Sheffield. Cool. Um, just down the road, Chesterfield, I think this place is doing it. Um, I've, I've been to some of them around. I've been to, you know, I like to try most of them. And I've had some really, really good food. Really, really good food. It's, uh, there's probably the, the, old, the whole kitchen, uh, commercial kitchen, restaurant um, experience that everybody's had. Some of it's great. Some of it's okay. You know, something you could probably do better yourself. <laughs> you know, it, it's like that. But there's some, there are some really, really good places knocking about. Um, don't know when the saturation point's going to come, uh, but it, it's also helping me. You know, it's helping me in terms of people uh, about a year ago were asking me what a brisket was. And now everybody seems to know. Everybody's tried it. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's getting really, uh, really popular. You mentioned earlier on that you... Uh you do some work with like a craft beer company or something down the road, do you? We, yeah, we yeah, like drinking yeah. our beers as well whilst we're barbecuing. You got any like yeah. recommendations on good beer and barbecue combos? There's so many. Uh, it's a bottle shop just down the road from me. It's uh, called the Beer Stop um, in Drumfield, and it's uh, it's got 350 beers on. Anytime bottle beers, canned beers, 
Um, so I'm working my way through. <laughs> uh, Someone's got to do it. <laughs> it's a hard yeah, job. It's terrible. It was my birthday last week, actually. I think I've got 18 different beers in my fridge at the moment. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's great. But a personal favourite for my uh, for me is to go for a black IPA. Mm-hmm. Black IPA, really. It's a dark beer, but it's got all the IPA hoppiness. I think that works fantastically with any barbecue. Yeah. Um, Beaver Town do one in London. They they do a really really good. Um, Black IPA, Thornbridge have got great black IPA, but there's some just some fantastic brewers, mm. really good brewers, knocking about, and uh, I think it's it's something if you can. I mean, it's, when I work down there, it's just a match made in heaven. It's <laughs> it's beer and barbecue, and uh, people spend hours out there eating and drinking, and then they drink a bit more and come back and eat a bit more. It's, it's just a great, <laughs> uh, it's a great day out. So. Yeah, uh, the whole craft beer scene. I know it's uh, it's something that has been around for a while now, but it is it's um, huge um, up here. I know that, and uh, I know it's just it's something that the quality of beer that people are drinking is just getting better and better. Yeah, these craft beer places now are just making such good beers. It's like yeah, people prefer those now, don't they? No one's going to the big like. I guess like going back to anymore. what I was saying there, like at the start about like local produce and and like people are willing to pay for quality and stuff like that and, and I actually think that we're actually turning like full circle here in, in our lives where or I am anyway where I'm avoiding the supermarkets as much as I can yeah I, I'm gonna put my hands up yeah I still go to the supermarkets every now and again and and yeah sometimes get some really good stuff from them but I'm actually using local farm shops local butchers I mean, when someone says to me, who's your local butcher? I actually have like four or five local butchers. But because sometimes on a day when I want something, someone might not have something. Or and if it's specific for a cook, then I have to go somewhere else. But actually, I communicate with all my butchers. And I actually have a really good relationship with all of them and, and just sort of pop in from now and again and just pick things up that they're doing that I like. And uh, and I think we've gone full circle where we're moving away from that sort of consumerism of these big supermarkets and we're going back to buying local produce and caring about where our food comes from and th- and that that goes with the craft beers as well like who who's making these beers and, and what's going into them and actually and actually uh, looking into the flavors a bit more than actually just drinking beer and, and getting drunk and actually looking at well that's always part of it don't get me wrong uh, uh, <laughs> i'm not going to put that on put that down but at the same time drinking something that tastes absolutely awesome at the same time which is which is cool yeah Definitely, definitely. It's all about um, quality, I think, isn't it? And it's about enjoying it. Yeah. So, what's what's next for you then, Luke? What's what's uh, what's what's next in life for you? Well, I'm hoping now. I've uh, I've not signed on the dotted line, but I'm hoping uh, I'm very close to getting a place of my own, which will be um, revolve around beer and barbecue. <laughs> so it will be craft beer uh, and also barbecue, and uh, some putting it in the final stages of that so that'll be from the summer so worth going to have a phone call from me or a visit at any day where I'll say that I'm not going to be back in September and uh, <laughs> yeah so it's, it's a massive uh, massive step now to get my own place um, whether I have think you just told us that before you've told your work that is that I have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they're not going to be listening <laughs> 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 that's awesome <laughs> yeah I need it first I hope there's no closet um, barbecue fans and senior people actually I've, uh, but yeah, yeah no, that's, uh, that's going to happen at, at some point soon 
So, yeah, we'll see really what direction that takes. I think um, at first, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to take it step by step. I'm not going to say I'm going to start competing with uh, with grill stock and reds or anything like that. I think it's just going to be a local uh, local place that does good quality food and drink. Cool. Um, well, we'll look forward to catching up with you in the future. Then once you've got that sorted, we'll get you back on and find out what it's like to get to the next level up. Yeah, we're doing a little bit of a, bit, a mini barbecue tour of the UK, yeah, trying to build we'll up our... In. So we'll pop in sometime. Once you get up and running, give us a message. We'll pop in and, and uh, try some of your meat, Jazzy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's great. And I think, you know, what you're doing uh, with this podcast, fantastic. I've really enjoyed listening to it over the last, uh, last few weeks. I feel uh, inadequate compared to some of your guests, really, in terms of you know, the people you've had on. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, Oh, who are we to have a podcast? I mean, like we we feel inadequate every week because we're talking to you guys <laughs> who are all absolutely awesome, and we're just two guys from Devon who just go outside and have a barbecue. Like we eat lots of food, eat lots of barbecue food. Like who are we? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, no, it's awesome to have you on, Luke. It's been great to have you on, and uh, we we've actually gone over our hour mark, so I'm gonna have to call it call it a day there. But thank you very very much for coming on, Luke. It's been great chatting to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank Just you very much. Before you go, Luke, do you want to tell people where they can find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on uh, Facebook. Um, it says King Brisket Time. King Brisket Time, if I can even say my own business name. And um, I'm on Twitter as well, but uh, at the moment, because I'm actually juggling work and uh, this business, I'm not massively active on there. Uh, but yeah, if you get on my Facebook page, uh, come and say hello. Hopefully, uh, if there's anybody around the local area, uh, pop in when I've got an event. Cool. And Luke, are you, are you part of like the uh, the Countrywood Smoke community or anything in the UK? I, I read some of these uh, messages and things like that, to be honest, but I'm, uh, I don't tend to uh, get involved. I should. <laughs> All right, no worries. Thank you very, very much for, for coming on. And uh, and yeah, cheers. Good luck. Good luck with everything. And we'll, we'll definitely catch up with you in the future. Thanks very much. Yeah, great to speak to you. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. As always, we're brought to you by ProQ and Barbecue Gourmet, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker or looking to upgrade or even look to pick up some epic accessories, check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. And you can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. Goodbye from me and... Goodbye from me. See you next time.